It's great to see everyone. Happy New Year. We're going to pray in just a moment. And uh, I'm just so grateful that 2022 is here. You know, it was interesting watching the ball drop with my family. I had almost no emotion watching that ball drop. I think 2022 is something that we're all just ready for. Uh, 2021, not that it was all terrible, but it was a difficult year. But we're going to discuss a topic together today that I hope that we would find has the potential to just reframe some of our thinking as we're praying and we're processing this new year. And I want to say something before I pray because it's been so deeply on my heart. I think two of the most important things, period, in our lives are, of course, number one, learning that we have a deep need for Jesus Christ. That song that we were just singing was so beautiful because it recognizes that there's a disparity, that we're not enough. We're not enough in our work, in our homes, as parents, as grandparents, as employees, as owners, whatever it looks like. We're not enough until we recognize our desperate need for Jesus. And he begins to fill the void. Anybody learned that in life so far, especially last year, right? But what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a moment and pray, recognizing that the number one thing that we need is Jesus. The number two that I want to say right now is finding a great church. I want to say this. This has been on my mind so much lately. The beautiful thing about finding a wonderful church, if you've ever studied the role of a pastor, it's very much adjacent to the role of a shepherd. And what does a shepherd do? is they warn the sheep of the cliffs and the rocks and the things ahead. They help them understand where nourishment is and where to avoid. I have so many friends that have had so many deep struggles, even with their Christian faith. The only ones I really worry about are the ones that walk away from church. Because I know in that moment, where will they receive the warning about the rocks and the cliffs? Where will they receive the warning where would they be led to the green pasture? And I want to say to everybody watching online, in the room, we're starting the year right. Even in the midst of a snowstorm and the bills playing at one o'clock, right? We're here. So I'm going to take a moment and pray, and we're going to jump in. Jesus, right now, we align ourselves with that song that we were just singing. We agree that right now, in this moment, we have a desperate need for you. Maybe if you feel comfortable, you could take your hand and just place it on your chest if you feel comfortable. And in your own way, whether at home or in the room, would you just remind God of your need for him? Not just quietly. It's not for those around you to hear you, but maybe just whisper, Jesus, I need you. And as you confess that to him, I hope it comes with a sense of joy because you confessing your need for Jesus is the beginning of all good things. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen. Thank you, Naji. We're going to talk about a word today, and this is an interesting word because there's one part of this word, depending on its context and how we use it, that it can get us into a whole lot of trouble. But then there's another side to this particular word 
that if we understand what it means within the scriptural context and we lean into it, can I just have a teeny bit more monitor, just a little bit? Thank you so much. If we lean into this word within its scriptural context, it can really help us understand and embrace God's promises for our life. And though it might seem a little bit cliche as we head into a new year, it's critical that we understand as Christ followers that there are so many things within the scripture, within the text that God promises to us. Just as a good father, as we think about Father God who loves us, who sent his only son, just as a good father or a good mother desires to provide incredible things for their children. So our father, Father God, has laced the scripture with things that he desires to give to us because Jesus said that he came that we would experience life and life in abundance. And as I say that, I do not diminish the incredible suffering that we experience because the same Jesus, the same God promised trouble, but he wants us to have abundant life even in the midst of valley and difficulty and trouble. And that abundant life comes from being connected to him. When we understand specific words and we know how they tie to promises, those promises become anchors to us in our Christian faith. The worst thing possible is to experience a hardship in our relationships, in our schoolwork, in our college studies, in our friendships, in our marriage, in our divorce, wherever we're at. The worst thing to experience in life is to go through those things without knowing the anchoring principles that God has for us. When we, and this is why the church is incredible, right? Because this is what we do. We equip each other through community and through teaching as we get to sit under amazing teaching from Pastor Pierre, Pastor Marlies, the pastoral staff here at this church. As we learn these principles, they become anchors that we hold on to through tremendous difficulty. And how many of us know we need some anchors right now as we're running into 2022, as we're trusting God for more? Though as we look at COVID and these challenges and Pastor Josh, when he was in seminary, he didn't imagine that he'd have to be standing in front of a group of people talking about mask mandates and these things that we never envisioned would be part of our Christian life and walk. But here we are, and we can be here if we have anchors to hold on to. So as we unpack the word desire, I pray that the Lord just awakens something inside of us. I pray that maybe we have a little bit of fun and just understanding, but also recognizing what this word has become in culture because if i was standing next to you in the lobby or i saw you at the mall i know do we still go to malls we obviously do did anybody go to the mall at christmas time i'm like has anybody heard about amazon why would you be here right now fighting for a parking spot going through all this just pay jeff bezos it'll be all good just anyways but as we're here right now doing our thing, when we think about the word desire, if I walked up to you at Eastview Mall and I looked into your eyes and I said, tell me your desires, we have over-sexualized this word. And the moment somebody says, tell me your desire, whether we want to admit it or not, it just starts to feel kind of funny because it's one of these words, if you say it enough, it actually starts to feel naughty. And there's so many things in our culture that if we're not careful, we focus on them, a particular word or a phrase becomes used in a different context so often that it can be just skewed a little bit. And I believe that a word like desire has actually been over-sexualized where it feels kind of funny and it feels like an odd word if we're not careful to even talk about. But again, when we look at the scripture, 
we can see that God is not afraid of the word desire, and desire actually moves us. When we watch a movie or we experience a story, when somebody's desire is met, it often inspires us. The greatest films, the greatest stories that we have been captured by, they can temporarily pull us into a different space of thinking and imagining and living are oftentimes stories where we learn about somebody that fought for a particular desire and that desire was granted or they achieved that desire. If that doesn't happen in that film or it doesn't happen in that story, it's usually because there's there's another episode coming or there's a sequel because we know that the arc of the story that we are drawn to is the arc of the story where the desire is met. And whenever there is something in our lives that consistently speaks to us, whether it's romance, whether it's beautiful things, it can usually teach us something about the way that God has wired us. It can even teach us about the image that we are created in, which is the image of God. I'm going to say it again. God is a God that is not intimidated by desire. A little bit later, I'm going to share with you a verse that actually says he is very interested in our desires. The challenge is is that as life goes on, desires get complicated. Can you say the word complicated? Come on, everybody online and in the room one more time just because it's a snowstorm. Some of us are here, some of us cozy home. One more time, say complicated. Complicated. As we live life and as we experience different things, some very positive and some very negative, our desires become complicated. I'm not saying all of our desires. I'm not saying everybody in this room and online is a complicated person. But if we pay attention, we'll notice from time to time, this is what happens. And the analogy that I want to use today is the analogy of a lens. And I'd love for us to think about the core desires that we have in life that can guide our thoughts, they can guide the hopes that we have in life. I'd love for us to think about each of those desires as a lens that we are looking through. So right now, let's imagine a lens that we're looking through that is our professional desires that we see through that particular lens. Let's imagine another lens that we're looking through that are personal desires, whether it's weight loss or deeply personal things that we kind of hold in here that not a whole lot of people know about. There's a lens of our personal desires that we look through. Let's think about a lens of relational or friendship desires. And in different seasons of life, sometimes these increase, sometimes they decrease. But we have a lens that we look through that will show us as we look through that the lens of our relationship, our friendship, the desires, the longings that we have to be associated with other people. There's a lens that we look through that's, that we can see our financial desires. And for some of us, that's an exciting lens as we're planning and we're strategizing for other individuals looking through that lens. is a scary lens, but that's a lens that we look through. There's another lens that we look through that is of sexual desire. 
You know, God has created us as beings that have a longing for intimacy. And we look through that lens and we can see in the industry and so much of the marketing, the people have figured out that the sexual lens is a powerful lens of desire that we view the world through. But as I said, as we live life and as we grow and as we experience different things, some things good, some things negative, if we're not careful, there are aspects of that lens that can begin to become cracked or skewed in a way that causes us to see specific desires the way that we're not supposed to see them. The way that is not aligned with God's intention for us is people who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So how do some of these lenses get cracked? Well, let's just be honest and let's go through them one by one. Let's talk about the lens of sexual desire. So as we have this lens that we're looking through, where we have sexual desires that God has given us, how does that lens get cracked? How does that lens get all messed up? How does our perspective in that way begin to shift towards something that God didn't intend? Well, obviously, we can look at some of the things that have happened in the last several decades concerning that industry. The most common one that you may already be thinking I'm about to say is the industry of pornography. It has become so normalized for sexuality to be defined by what different actors and individuals who are getting paid to perform an act, it has become so normal. Maybe you've read the statistics of how young people are being exposed to sexual content that is so unhealthy and odd and not okay. We could even say evil and how it is being done. But as a result of that being normalized, it starts to slip into mainstream and it starts to slip into other things. And whether we admit it or not, that particular lens can become very cracked. It can become broken. So now, not for all of us, but for those of us who have struggled with this specific desire, our desires related to this topic, now when we look through that lens, all we see is what we have received and been inundated by that particular industry. And we can see now how different shows and other things are being impacted by the standard that has been set when it comes to sexuality. And the crazy thing about that, and I know this is going to sound really vulnerable and kind of weird, if that lens gets broken, you know, then we get married and we expect to have these amazing sexual experiences with our spouses, Christ followers. I know this is a little odd, but I'm just going to say it because it's the truth. And our world concerning those desires has been shaped by what is being, by what we're viewing through these industries. Then suddenly when we have that beautiful spouse or that individual that we've been praying for, that we love, we have an expectation that has been set by an industry and not by the God who has designed intimacy. Listen to me. Some of us are at an age where we've heard the struggles of, I'm not going to stay here too long, but married couples where it just feels it's not working and it's not clicking. I believe a large portion of that is associated with a sexual bar that's been set that has so defiled the view of what God desires a married couple to know. And until that lens is repaired, until it's fixed, 
that married couple will never fully experience the beauty of what God has intended for them to know in terms of sexual intimacy. When we look through another lens, let's, let's talk about the career lens. You know, many of us, we began in our industry, regardless of what industry it is, we began in that industry with passion and with enthusiasm. The lens was so clear coming out of college or coming out of high school, coming out of the internship, whatever it might look like, the lens was so clear and it was beautiful and it was concise and we could look through it. We could clearly see the desires that we had professionally. Again, whether it was in ministry, whatever it looked like in your life, it was crystal clear until something devastating happened or there was a letdown or you were taken advantage of. Or you worked in an environment where you just felt like you were constantly being harassed. Or maybe it was true prejudice that you experienced. Some form of injustice somehow cracked the lens that you see your career, you see your professional desires. And now, instead of having enthusiasm and passion to do the tremendous work that God has gifted you to do, when you, work, when you look at your work, you're always seeing it through a cracked lens. And until that lens regarding your desires for the work that God has given you to do, the profession that he has gifted you to craft, until that lens is restored, you will forever see your work and the value that you contribute far lesser than it is. We need God, maybe, as we engage the new year, to restore the lens that we see the great, work that we have the privilege to do. Listen, even if our job is difficult, if the Lord can repair and he can fix the lens that we see the work we do, it'll be a whole lot better. And we'll talk about how that happens in just a few moments. And we obviously know what doesn't help, and I don't want to just sound like I'm beating a drum that gets beat all the time, but what is not helping us, especially during COVID when we know all the percentages, including myself, how much we've struggled with our smartphones and devices. What's not helping us with these lenses is the topic of social media. Because the longer I'm looking through your lens, the less I like my lens. Right? Like you see these people, all they post about their relationships is their date nights. You know, they're not going to post about the stank breath in the morning. Right? Every time they post, it's like fancy restaurant, this or that, everything's great. You know, social media, the longer I look at your job through your lens, the longer I look at your perfect life, the longer I look at your happy kids, the longer I look at your great retirement, just thinking all of us, the longer I look at your happy whatever, the longer I look at that, and then I go back to look through my lenses, suddenly what I was content with, I'm not content with anymore because I've been looking through a false lens right? Social media, and listen, I'm all for it, because there have been some friendships and some relationships that I've developed that have been such a blessing in my life through social media, but a lot of times it takes a whole lot more than it gives, if we're not careful, if we're not careful. Last thing that I'll say about these broken lenses is when it comes to relationships, even friendships. I'm choosing to keep my daughter 
off of social media until she's a little bit older. She's 14, and I'm okay with individuals that let their kids on because I'm so scared that she's going to see some things that are just going to break her heart from a friendship and a relationship standpoint. And I want to make sure as a young woman, she's secure enough in her identity and in her relationships to not constantly be envying other people's and wanting to be in circles she doesn't belong to be in in the first place. But our hearts become so tender because we desire relationships, we desire communion. But if we have had friendships that have hurt us, or if we feel like trust has been taken from us, maybe we had a best friend, and I'm speaking to all ages, we had a best friend, somebody, and it just was so terrible. So we've given up on the fact that we could ever have married or not married. We've given up on the fact that we could ever have two or three really close friends that we do life with because we had them in the past and it was devastating, it was hurt, maybe more than we could ever imagine. So now the lens that you view friendship, the lens that you view opening your home or your apartment or whatever it looks like, that lens has been so cracked and broken that you now live a life that's so isolated it's actually a little scary. It's scary, the thoughts that you have towards yourself because the lens that provides you with community at your church or with your friendships has become broken, and we need the Lord to restore that lens so we can have the friendships and the relationships that he desires for us to have. Now, as I get to this next part and I prepare to share a verse with you, I want to explain to you that, you know, when Pastor Pierre gave me the opportunity to speak with you today, everybody watching me online and in the room, I was working through this, uh, processing it over a long period of time, and every time I would get to this particular part, I would just sense in my heart this yieldedness because I was fleshing through it, working through it, trying to figure out what the block was for me. And I want to share it to, with you. And it's a little bit of a risk because some of you, I might lose you. Um, but I'm going to just take the risk and I'm going to be vulnerable because what I'm going to share right now, I want to say specifically to individuals in this room who or online that have been following Jesus for a while or have been associated with church for a while. And if you're new, if you're visiting, listen, just pay attention because you may know somebody or this challenge may come in your life soon enough. But just hear what I'm about to say. What I'm about to communicate specifically was on my heart for those hearing my voice that we've been in church or we've been following Jesus for a while. And here it is. If we're not careful, the longer we follow Jesus, the more we want to overcomplicate the solutions. I'm going to say it again. You can take it. Say, oh, Chris, that's your opinion. I'm going to say it again. The longer we follow Jesus, the more we overcomplicate the solutions. And there's something in me that believes, and let me speak about myself. There's something in me that believes that the longer I follow Jesus, the more it has to be about me to find a solution. And let me read this to you. I actually want to read it because I want to make sure I say it uh, the way that I was personally fleshing through it and praying about it. Over time, we begin to believe that Jesus needs more than just our hearts. 
right? It's very similar, and I don't mean to keep hitting the marriage principle, but it's very similar to when we first get married. We're so excited to just give one another our hearts and to live in an unconditional love towards one another, and then life just keeps piling things on us like jackets. After a while, we don't even look the same. That happens in our relationship with Jesus. When we first come into a relationship with Jesus, we're so excited just to give him our life and to know that we belong to him and our worth and our identity is found in him. But here's what I wrote down. Usually this, happen, bec- this happens become, because our focus becomes more on our minds than our hearts. And let me just share it with you. And as our understanding of God grows, if we're not careful, our love for him can begin to wane. And I'm saying this as a person who loves education, who's currently choosing to move my seminary degree and things to another level. I love studying the scripture, but this is what I've learned in my own life. As our understanding of God grows, if we're not careful, our love for him, our desire to just be close to him. Hear what I'm saying, because these, this is the anchoring stuff that we're going to hopefully be able to grab onto in 2022. Not because I'm saying it, but because we can find it in the scripture. If our desire in 2022 doesn't increase to simply be with Christ, as Pastor Kerry is up here talking about being at First Wednesday at the prayer chapel, do you know how good it would be for us to just go sit in that prayer chapel and say, Jesus, this is my commitment to you, that I just want to be with you more in this new year. I want to learn the discipline to be able to close the door to my office, sit for a moment, and just commune with you and know that you're near me even when life feels terrible. Jesus, I want to reacquire the discipline to be able to be around my spouse, around my close friends, to wrap my arms around them, and to know despite our differences, the Lord is in this place. One of the things that I was thinking about regarding this principle of the longer we follow Jesus, the more we want to overcomplicate the solutions. Now, for some of you might say, oh, now you're pushing it. But listen to this. When David was praying in the Psalms, King David, King David did not pray, create in me a clean mind. Listen to what I'm saying. He said, create in me a clean heart. David, as a gifted leader, leading a powerful kingdom, but also a man well acquainted with his mistakes and failures, knew that if his heart didn't belong to God, it didn't matter how clean his mind was. Because the moment our hearts are no longer yielded to the lordship of Jesus Christ, you can try to keep your mind as clean as you want. It's just a matter of seconds, right? (laughs) All it takes is that one thing to happen. That person cuts in front of you with their cart or Wegmans, you're ready to go to jail. You're like, I'm ready to go to jail. You, I don't care who you are. I don't care that you're 92 years old. I'm ready to go to jail. Like, this is about to happen. Like, right? Because <laughs> when our hearts aren't yielded and connected to the lordship of Jesus Christ, I can tell you right now, for me personally, it takes but a second for my whole dang world 
to flip upside down on its head. So I shared that with you as a preface to my conclusion around the verse that I'm hoping ministers to us today. And it's the verse that I'm hoping will inspire us and give us hope that regardless of how many of the lenses of our desires have become cracked, that the Lord can restore each and every single one of them. And I don't know why I keep pressing into this sexual piece. That's, that wasn't my intent. I didn't come in here today thinking, well, I can't wait to preach about sex. That's not what we're talking about. But I can tell you, having sat with a lot of married couples, with a lot of young adults, this is a burden. And I want to say, despite of what we have been exposed to sexually, whether it was a form of abuse or something you consciously chose to expose yourself to, I want to say right now, because it's on my heart, and I'm just going to trust it as the Lord, that God can restore that lens. He can. It's not a lens that you have to throw in the trash and just say, well, I guess that once existed. It's a lens that can be restored because Jesus said, I came to make all things new. Came to make all things new. And I believe that. And I believe that as somebody who has lived enough life to see pain and to see people suffer and to suffer myself, that the Lord can restore that lens. So the verse that we're going to read together, and remember, don't overcomplicate the solution, <laughs> is Psalm 37, verse 4, as I have five more minutes with you. Let's read Psalm 37, verse 4 together, like 2022 is going to be great. Come on, let's do it. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know what's another way that we could read this verse, and I dare you to study it because I promise you it's the truth. We could also read this verse to say, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will restore the desires of your heart. I want to read you a little bit about what it means to delight yourself in the Lord. Don't overcomplicate the solution as I'm reading this to you. I went in and I started studying people that have been examining this text for a long time because I wanted to weigh my thoughts against theirs to make sure what I'm saying to you is accurate today. And here's some of the beautiful things that I found. One writer said, delight yourself in the Lord. The meaning here is that we should seek our happiness in God and his being and his perfections and his friendship and in his love. Listen, don't overcomplicate the solution. Hear what I'm saying. Listen to this next part. He will give you the desires of your heart, literally the askings or the requests of your heart, what you desire. Listen to this next part, part one. The fact that you seek your happiness in God will regulate. Can you say regulate? The fact that you seek your happiness in God will regulate your desires so that you will be able to be disposed of to ask only the things which it will be proper for him to grant. When you really love somebody that you're in relationship with, when your marriage is healthy, you don't ask things that you know are going to piss them off. I'm so sorry, but you know what I'm saying? Right? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just said that. But it's the truth. I don't even care, right? 2021, take that. They're just going to say it. When your marriage is unhealthy, sometimes you'll actually say and ask things just to, as a sense of like jealousy or to get back or to cause them anger or to take something from them. When your marriage is healthy, you actually want to ask them for things that you know is going to bless them too. 
everything that you're saying, you're saying out of a heart to create unity, a heart to create intimacy, and a heart to create bond. And what this verse is saying is when we learn as Christ followers to truly find our delight in his being, in his perfections, in his friendship, and in his love. I know this is going to sound intense, but the God who created sexual desire will regulate your sexual desire. And the God who gave you an urge to perform professionally and to create income and to build a beautiful life for your family, he will regulate that desire that he gave to you. And the God who gave you a desire to live in community with others and to do incredible things, I'm going to say it again because I just feel in my heart, to build businesses, to invite other people in and create work environments that will bless other people. The God who gave you that desire will regulate that desire. When our delight is found in his being and his perfections and his friendship and in his love, The next part of this study, as I begin to wrap this up, it says the fact that you find your happiness in him will be the reason why he will desire to grant your desires. But the thing that we do, and we know that we do it, is we start placing our delight in all the wrong things. Timothy Keller, who Pastor Pierre recently posted about, Timothy Keller would write and say that our hearts are idol factories. So not only do I want friendships, I actually want to place my delight in the friendships, not in the God who wants to give me the friendships. Because I am a being that desires to have a healthy sexual attraction towards my spouse, and because I desire that, I actually want to start to put my hope and my delight in that versus the God who gave me those desires in the first place. And what we do over the course of life is we just start swapping out the things that we put our delight in. Henry Nouwen would say that when we make that swap, then we start placing pressure on all these people and things to be our delight. So now your friends have to be your delight. And they're like, dude, would you back up, get away from me? Like, what? They won't say that, but they're like, seriously? Chill out. Because they can feel, I can't feel the void of your delight. We start doing that to our career. We pound our career so hard. We're going to be the first to reply to an email, to do the thing, to do this, to do that, because we say, I'm going to squeeze the light out of you. And what you end up doing is just being tired, broken, lonely, and then you look at what you built, and you're like, really? Because you tried to place the light in something that only God could regulate your desires for as you first placed your delight in him. And I think one of the things that 2021 woke me up to is all the things I placed my delight in, right? All the things that felt taken away. And all the time, whether we're sitting alone in our homes or doing different things, it was so odd but so anchoring at the same time. What I want us to do right now is I'd love for us to take a moment and pray. Don't overcomplicate the solution. One of the beautiful things about you finding this church, everyone online and in the room, is this is a church that will shamelessly declare that the Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can heal your heart. He can restore your desires. Don't overcomplicate the solutions. You say, well, Chris, 
you don't know how difficult my situation at work is. When I think about going to work tomorrow, I want to throw up. Place your delight in his friendship, in his being, in his perfections. Let him begin to regulate the lens of your work. It doesn't mean that that person won't be difficult tomorrow. It doesn't mean that other people may not come at you. It doesn't mean that there won't be those challenges. But when you're sitting in that seat and your delight is in Christ and he is regulating your desires, something different is going to come out of you. Because you're no longer trying to squeeze delight out of that circumstance. Jesus, right now, Anaji's just going to play. There's beautiful evidence in the scripture that as the musician or as the worshiper plays, that it actually can begin to push back or resist evil or negative forces that want to complicate. We see it between the relationship of David and Saul, these powerful moments. So right now as Anaji plays, we open our hearts to the healing and the restoration of the Lord. I want you to think about which of those lenses in your life you feel like has become cracked. Maybe it's the lens of the way you view church or ministry. Maybe it's the lens of the way you view your kids or your spouse, your friendships. Maybe it's the lens of the way you view yourself. Jesus, right now, we take the desires that we know that you have given us that maybe have become a bit skewed. We confess them to you. And with everything that we can declare in faith, we say that we place our delight in you. Maybe just in the last few seconds we have, if you feel comfortable at home or in the room, you could whisper that. You could say, Lord, I place my delight in you. Come on, just a few more times. Say, Lord, I place my delight in you. And as you do that, can you feel the weight shifting away from those circumstances? Can you feel the intensity of it? The mountain to be uprooted and cast into the sea. Lord, we place our delight in you. As we head into this new year, Jesus, would you help us to cling to you? Would you help us to cling to our church? God, would you help us to cling to keeping our delight in you, knowing that you will regulate our desires, and as a result, you actually promise to grant us those regulated desires. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen.